and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this is going to be a solo podcast with Drake, aka Stephen Drake. And I just got back from a two and a half week photo assignment up to Alaska for sick of gear. Went up with my friend Ike Dooling, who lives out of Haynes, Alaska, and um, he, he was the guide. We're doing a doll sheep hunt. And uh, the hunter uh, was this guy, uh, his name is Matt Sanford. Super awesome dude. It was actually his first big game hunt in 30 years. Uh, done a bunch of upland bird hunting, turkey hunting, but he hasn't really done the big game um, stuff as much or really, really at all or since, since he was a kid anyway. So there was a really cool hunt. Um, both, both Matt and Ike were just really super awesome guys and, um, fun to hang out with those dudes up North. But, uh, actually Isaac, uh, Ike Dooling, I first met him in 2012, uh, when I helped trail in horses, basically 200 miles across the Yukon into the Northwest Territories, um, into Arctic Red River Outfitters Concession. Uh, took us 14 days to get 200 miles. I think there was like 17 horses. Um, we had two horses die on the trail. Pretty wild experience. And so, yeah, that was the first time I ever met Ike Dooling, and he ended up guiding for Arctic Red. But I, I, honestly, I honestly, I had not seen him since um, 2012, so it was fun to fun to reconnect with him and uh, get out into the mountains together and um, yeah cool guy and fun guy to photograph and run around the hills with so anyway but this podcast um, or this episode I just wanted to basically run through and kind of do some takeaway or critique of um, my own shooting and what I did up there as well as um, share some lessons learned both in the photography realm as well as just some some gear things so um, first off I took an A7R3 and an A7S3 up there to photograph and shoot some video with. Uh, the main goal of this trip was to shoot photos for Sika Gear. Um, just general imagery, some new product, but mostly just general imagery of just a badass hunt. And kind of, I didn't, I don't know, I, I mean, I, I realized this while I was up there, but especially when I got back. I realized that the A7S3 is garbage for photography. Like, it's only a 12 megapixel camera, and it's amazing. You know, you put those photos next to the images that come out of the A7R3, and just the files, there's just so much more uh, editing room to, to work with with the A7R3 files, and just the dimensions of each image are way bigger, so you can crop without losing quality. Um, A7S3, you really, you can't crop at all. And I, I also noticed a lot of the photos, they just like, some of the colors look kind of like, they, they look like a painting almost. They look like they're like, no, nothing's very sharp and it just looks like crap. So <laughs> uh, I very much regret taking the A7S3 um, up there for shooting photos. I definitely shot a lot of photos on that. And in hindsight, that was a dumb mistake. Um, I, I did shoot a lot of video with it, and the video on that thing is, is amazing, but it's not that much better than A7R3's video. So moving forward, if, you know, I always take two camera bodies with me. Um, I always have a wide angle on one and a zoom on the other, and especially when you're going 
off the grid and you don't have access to like stores or anything, you know, if, if one camera dies, it's really important to have a backup. So I always bring two cameras. But moving forward on every photo assignment, I'm definitely going to be bringing the A7, or I'm, gonna, I'm going to be bringing two A7 R3 um, bodies. But uh, live and learn, now I know. <laughs> uh, other uh, camera related things. So prior to this hunt, my 16 to 35 f2.8 um, Sony lens, I just, I shot a few like just random test photos. I, actually, I was just shooting in my living room for for no apparent reason really. But then I, I looked at them and even in the screen, they just looked a little soft. And so I went outside and I took a couple pictures outside just at different settings and I brought the camera in or I brought the uh, the photos into Lightroom and I was looking at them on the big screen and like all the images were just a little bit soft and I was like oh crap so I don't know what happened with that lens I need to send it in though um, it's definitely soft on seems like all angles and all apertures so that was going to be kind of my primary wide angle that I was going to take on this trip and so instead I left it at home and I brought the Zeiss Betis 18mm f2.8 and then the Zeiss Betis 25mm f2.0. Both of those lenses are, are really cool. Um, the the 25mm at, at f2 like produces just some some cool you know wide angle low aperture shots and both of those lenses are really compact and they're lightweight but they're not the 16 to 35 Man, that 16 to 35 is just an amazing, amazing lens, and it just has always, and will will always have a place in my camera kit. Um, mainly, I just I wish I had something wider than the 18. Um, I was always just like, ah, I just need this to be a little bit wider, and so I, I really missed the, I missed not having that 16 to 35 f 2.8 on this trip. So um, yeah, I'm gonna get that one fixed or send it in or whatever, and definitely never go anywhere without um, that lens. So uh, one note that I made while I was out there on this trip um, was basically on future photography trips, you know, bring two A7R3s as I mentioned prior, and then kind of the three lens combo, you know, it, like this was a backpack hunt and I probably had 72 pounds of gear to start. The, the weight of everything obviously went down as we ate, ate our food, but um, the three lenses to bring are the 16 to 35 f 2.8, the 50 mil f 1.8, and then the 70 to 200 f 2.8. Those are kind of the three banger lenses. Um, get this question all the time. You know, if you were only, you know, if, if you only had the ability to bring one lens, which would you bring? And I would say the 24 to 70 f 2.8. Another really fun lens to play with um, that, that might kind of um, be the, the do-it-all lens as well is the 24 to 105 f4 my only ding on that is that it's f4 and so shooting in lower light or just getting kind of that you know cool background blur slash bokeh you just might not get it as much with that lens but it would be a do-it-all lens it covers most you know covers wide all the way to a, a decent zoom so um yeah that, that's just one uh one camera um you know, list thing, lens thing that I, that I made note of. So, uh, the next, like when I, when I got back, um, you know, went through all my photos and honestly, like, you know, looking through everything, 
it wasn't that great. I mean, I definitely got a, a handful of pretty cool images, but nothing super special. I was uh, kind of disappointed in myself um, for for what I got. And like, <laughs> if, if I were to rate myself, I'd probably give myself like a B, maybe even a B minus. Um, I just, man, for, for how cool of a hunt op that is and the, the wild places you go and you know, I, I expected more out of myself. And I think part of that was I was just, I was totally overwhelmed. Honestly, this was the first photo gig that I've been on in, in two years. And I mean, I hate to come up with excuses, but you know, in the end of the day, I definitely didn't do as well as I, as I hoped. And, um, it's funny, right when I got home, I went and shot some photos of my dad doing some work on the sawmill and cutting trees down. And I was like super creative. And I just like, kind of took all my mistakes that I and things that I didn't do in Alaska and I just applied them to shooting photos of him on the sawmill and like I thought I got some pretty banger shots of him doing that and I, I look back at all the images I shot in Alaska versus the sawmill photos and I'm like man like obviously the sawmill it's, it's not hunting but it's like the quality of those photos like there's a bunch of a quality photos and you know and I shot that in like a day and a half so um I think one thing that would have helped me tremendously um, that I did not have uh, was a shot list and not even like a very specific shot list, just like, you know, just some general themes and themes of what to shoot. So basically when I was up there, when cool things were happening, I would just kind of get overwhelmed and I just had a hard, I had a, I had a hard time seeing a lot of these like cool shots and even just like getting back to fundamentals like thinking of like okay foreground midground you know background and so like on all these images trying trying to put some foliage in the foreground um i didn't really do any of that and it's like oh steven you idiot <laughs> so if i would have had just a general shot list that it totally would have guided my efforts and whatever i mean life's busy and I mean, I guess my excuse for not having that was that I was just swamped with other work and vlogging and X, Y, Z prior to the trip. And so, um, I was just kind of in over my head a little bit there, but yeah, moving forward, I think always having just a general shot list or just kind of a, um, some themes to help guide your efforts while you're up there. I think that's super important. Um, another camera uh, related thing so i mean the, the weather was pretty nice where we were at and i was actually i was shooting a lot of photos every day just because there's lots of kind of unique fun things happening and um if i go back and look at the like the amount of photos i mean basically i took nine thousand images and we were up there for about 10 days um i think nine days actually so so a little over a thousand images a day and Normally I plan on one and a half batteries per day of shooting, but I was shooting a lot more than I probably normally do. And so I was burning through two plus batteries per day and I brought every battery I owned, um, which was I think 19. And at the end of the trip, I basically had one battery left, um, which was a whatever maybe that was perfect planning but that was also kind of scary because you know we, we lucked out and um we killed a ram on the opening opening day so um you know we could have been up there another 
another nine days and I would have been hurting on, on, uh, on battery life. So I think moving forward, I'm going to up my batteries per day to two batteries per day. And, um, regarding charging a lot, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, which solar panels do you use? And like, it just, it depends on the hunt. And I typically don't bring a solar recharging device just because either a, you're on the move a bunch and you just don't have, you know, like you might be hiking into the sun or you don't, you're unable to put your solar panel out in a direct um, contact with the sunlight. And uh, so it's just inefficient. And then B, the other reason, like, you know, rarely do you just like hang around camp all day. It's like usually on these hunts, it's like you're backpacking everything all around at once. Um, and so you just, you don't have these like long, you know, 15 hour days where you can just lay the solar panel out and charge stuff. Additionally, when you're in Alaska, especially, you know, you might have 10 days of terrible weather and get zero sun, therefore, you know, no recharging off of your, your solar panel. So I typically don't bring a solar panel. Um, I do have one. I don't really have any experience with it though. So I wouldn't probably take my advice on that. I would just Google it and read some uh, online reviews. Um, but, you know, it's like, you know, if say I, say I was doing a 15 day trip and I did two batteries a day, I mean, that's 30 batteries and like these Sony batteries are, I think, what are they like 60 or 80 bucks a pop? Like it's pretty damn expensive and stuff obviously gets, obviously gets heavy. So having a recharging option is a good one for sure. Um, solar might be a good bet. It just kind of depends on the hunt. Like if you are using a base camp and you're just kind of day hunting out of that base camp and you can leave solar up like while you're gone, then awesome. Um, but if you're not, you know, I think a better option would be just to bring more battery bricks or I don't know, have somebody fly in extra batteries or a generator for a day. <laughs> I did that at Arctic Red years ago. Uh, Jordan Gill and I, we, we left the big hunting, the hunting party and we took all the the red camera batteries like 10 miles down this valley to the the nearest uh, airstrip and we met met the pilot tavis and he, he actually brought in a a little uh like a honda generator and then our battery chargers and then i think five gallons of gas and jordan and i just sat there for basically 24 straight hours and ran the generator and charged um camera batteries so that was a good option there because otherwise i mean yeah it's just you you can't, well, your pack's going to get really, really, really heavy if you were to just bring a certain amount of batteries. So any, anyway, um, yeah, solar, man. <laughs> um, the next, uh, next takeaway. So we were, we had to cross a lot of water and the, like the, the creeks and the rivers and stuff we crossed, they weren't very big, but there was a ton of water rushing down them. And so they, they got kind of deep and just kind of a little treacherous. And um, I mean, like the, the widest section we crossed was only maybe 20 yards, but it was just moving really fast. It was chocolate milk. And a lot of times I'll bring wiggy waders. And right before, basically right before we jumped on the plane, I was talking to Isaac. I was like, what do you bring? And he's like, ah, I'm just going to bring Crocs, man. Like it's, it's summer. It's not cold. Like, you know, save save six or seven ounces and leave the wiggy waders at home. So, um, so I left them back and it ended up being a, a good call because these, these creeks when we were crossing them, 
I mean, we had water basically going up to our hip. And if you're wearing wiggy waders, you know, they go mid thigh. And so Matt, uh, he was the hunter, he had wiggies and on a lot of the creek crossings, he was kind of getting overtaken by the water or, or his wiggy waders were getting overtaken. And so he'd get water to go right down his boot. And so they just, they, they worked, but they weren't tall enough, um, for what we were doing. So, um, yeah, I think Crocs for sure when it's warmer and, um, you know, Crocs also double as a camp shoe. You know, if you bring Crocs instead of Wiggy Waders, you're going to be saving probably six ounces roughly as well. Um, the other thing I noticed with the Wiggies is, you know, when you have them on and you're crossing some really swift water, you get a lot of, um, well, you just, you know, by wearing the Wiggies, you have so much more surface area that that water's hitting and it kind of has a tendency to want to throw you out of balance a fair bit. So, when Isaac and I were crossing, him and I both have chicken legs and are fairly tall, and we didn't have, uh, I mean, it was challenging crossing some of this water, but um, when Matt would cross with the wikis, I, I, I think he was, it was extra hard for him because um, all that water was just pushing against his legs, and the, the wikis just created more surface area. So, moving forward, Crocs are the way to go. Um, on... Uh, regarding uh, calorie count so I typically bring 3200 calories per day on most summer type hunts and winter hunts just because like it's cold and you're, you end up like you end up burning a lot more you end up burning a lot more calories just to stay warm in the winter and so you end up eating a lot more so summer hunts 3200 calories and really cold winter hunts like 3800 calories if not more um, it's funny though. I, I mean, I found on this hunt, uh, we had, we had a few evenings where it maybe got down to like 30 degrees Fahrenheit. So like not that cold, but every day I was eating into my next day's rations. And so 3,200 calories per day, at least for me in my high metabolism, wasn't enough. Like I probably, I, I needed probably 3,600 for, for the amount that I was eating. So that's kind of a, ever-changing number and it's just it's just one I, I love to track and I think it's valuable for anybody who's spending you know long time out in the in the woods you know if, from a mental standpoint if you are hungry and you go to bed hungry like you're probably going to get hangry you're just not going to perform as well I perform both physically and mentally way better when I've got ample amount of food so so yeah, moving forward, I'll probably bump up my summer calorie intake to maybe 34 or 3,500 calories, maybe. <laughs> but more calories equals more weight, and it's always the that's always the balance, right? So, all right, the uh, the last takeaway, and this is just, I mean, I'm only 32, but starting to talk like an old guy here. But so my my back and my knees have been like pretty sore the last like five to ten years and I think like two years ago um, I started taking these they're basically glucosamine supplement pills um, the brand name is Cosamin and you're taking three a day for ten days and then after after ten days I dropped it down to two a day and I did that for like an entire year and it was amazing how much better my joints felt and 
when I'm shooting photos, especially, I'm always dropping down onto my knees to get like low angle shots. And, you know, prior to taking Kosaman, when I would jump back up, well, I, I really couldn't jump back up once I was down on my knees. I had to do this kind of old man, put both hands down and push myself up. And so, so once I started taking Kosaman, I could, I could jump up, I could, um, you know, I could kneel down, I could jump right up without even use of my hands. I could have an 80 pound pack on and do it. And like, there was no pain. It felt awesome. I've also had some back problems the last couple of years and thrown my back out a few times and even taking Kosaman with my back, everything just kind of feels lubed up. And, uh, I'm not sponsored by Kosaman either. I buy this stuff at Costco and Amazon. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so earlier this summer, I, I decided to stop taking Kosamin purely as just kind of a test to see if it was all in my head or if it actually worked. And I think I stopped taking it maybe in early or mid June. And I, I felt like fine for, for quite a while. And then I went to Alaska and, um, you know, about halfway through this hunt, I would drop down to my knees and I would get up and man, it was painful. Um, knees would just creak and ache and pop and just, yeah, it just hurt. I'd go to bed every night and my, my knees would hurt. And I hadn't felt that like for a long time. And so, so when I, and then when I got home, um, did some little hikes around here, just trying to work the knees out a little bit and they were just constantly sore. And I mean, even with no pack on, I had a hard time just like dropping down and then jumping back up. Like that was kind of my test. And, um, it hurt pretty good. So, so anyway, I'm back on the Kosaman train and I've been on for about five days since recording this, um, podcast and, um, yeah, I'm, uh, anxiously awaiting for it to get better. Cause I, I think it is the, the Kosaman that, that helps me tremendously. So, so whether you're a photographer and you're jumping down and getting in low, or if you're, you know, bow hunting and you drop down to a knee, like being able to then jump back up quickly and easily, it's, it's pretty important. So, that's a, that's a little, uh, little drug advice there for everyone. So <laughs> anyway, well, um, yeah, those are, those are some takeaways from Alaska and it was a really cool trip and I'll be sharing some more images from that trip on, um, both my Instagram, Stephen Drake photo, as well as the hunting photographers, Instagram, uh, at the hunting photog. So stay tuned for that stuff. And yeah, if anybody's got any questions on anything, please hit us up on the hunting photog Instagram. Just shoot us a, shoot us a, a DM, but I'll, uh, I'll keep this one short and sweet and end it now. So we'll, uh, we'll see you in the next one.